Hi, I'm Ellie McGuire, and this is Shaking the Bushes. I have stories about living in the biggest city in the world, New York City, and in the smallest state in the country, Rhode Island. I can tell you about spending two and a half weeks with a former president and first lady and about how my dog had a pivotal part in me actually holding a real live Oscar. And I have questions too like, what's up with all these bunnies in my backyard here in Warwick? Or as my New York City friends would say, what's a backyard? I grew up in Warwick, left to see the world, and then came back home. What's more Rhode Island than that? I hope you enjoy Shaking the Bushes. I had the opportunity to house-sit a dear friend's home when she went to France one summer. It wasn't a big sacrifice for me. In fact, it was like she handed me a vacation voucher for a resort for two weeks. The house I was asked to babysit was located in Greenwich, Connecticut. Or as my imaginary BFF, actress Kate Hepburn would say, it was located in Greenwich, Connecticut. By the way, in case you're wondering, Kate Hepburn was from Fenwick, Connecticut, not too far from Greenwich, Connecticut. So where was I? Oh yes, my friend's house. It looked like something right out of Courier and Ives. Wait, does anyone know Courier and Ives? A little background. Curry and Ives was a New York City printmaking business that started back in the 1800s that eventually did affordable lithographs that depicted scenes of American life like skaters in Central Park, a house in the country, yada yada. Anyway, my friend's house on an enormous corner lot made up of acres with a long driveway leading up to it was like something you'd see in Courier and like something you'd see in Architectural Digest. It was beautiful, both inside and out. Her home was reminiscent of one of those big, white, rambling farmhouses from another century. An old-fashioned porch ran along the entire front of the house with rocking chairs lined up along it, overlooking a meticulously manicured lawn with colorful gardens and with a tennis court and a basketball court artistically placed in the front of the house. But wait, there's more. In the back was a beautiful, sparkling, deep blue pool with sturdy, high-end upholstered, thick-cushioned chaise lounges that could have been stolen from the Ritz, but I'm pretty sure they weren't, placed around the swimming pool. Inside, the house was perfection. It wasn't Downton Abbey decor, you know, ridiculously opulent. If I were to describe my friend's home, I would say it was exquisitely comfortable, if that makes sense. Down-to-earth perfection. The attention to detail was mind-blowing, candy to the eyes. I remember in the downstairs levette, the floral wallpaper was stunning. The colors, they were so rich. How rich were they? The colors on the bathroom wallpaper were so rich, I could have gone to the bank and cashed them in. It took my breath away, which made it that much more difficult to pee, by the way. (laughs) Again, this house was just like an upscale resort or inn without a bellman. It had everything one could ever want, except one thing, sidewalks. Okay, for you guys way back in the balcony, I'll say that again. This majestic house had everything except for sidewalks. Yes, sidewalks. Let me explain. With my two little Yorkshire Terriers as part of my house-sitting entourage, 
I was on pee and poop duty, taking my pups Schmitty and Pudge on long walks for their daily morning and evening constitutional was pretty much my one big chore each day for the two weeks I was house-sitting at this home away from home resort. Although I never did consider taking my puppy dogs for a walk to be a chore. Maybe others did, but walking my dog two times a day for 365 days each year, I consider it a privilege except in the snow or rain or any other form of extreme weather, of course, which could certainly make for some challenging and cranky walks. Thank God for wee-wee pads. (laughs) My dogs were always there for me, loyal and loving. So walking them and giving them the pleasure of being outside, breathing in the fresh air, okay, semi-fresh air in New York City, with the wind in their fur and new sniffs to explore each day was my way of giving back for their unconditional love and loyalty. And let's face it, my daily walks outside were cheaper than sweating on some treadmill indoors in some fancy-schmancy, and can you say expensive, New York City gym. Plus, my pups didn't mind what I wore on our daily walks. They wouldn't know a designer gym outfit if it fit them on the... Okay, where was I? Ah, yes, walking my dogs in Greenwich, Connecticut. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) The pups, all ready for a new adventure, woke Ron and me up on the first morning of my house-sitting gig. Oh, yes, I forgot to mention, my forever fiancé, Ron, was part of our entourage, too. Lucky him. So, I got them fed and dressed, the pups, that is, and off we went on our new adventure for a walk. As I mentioned, the home we were so lucky to be babysitting was set way back, so no noise from the surrounding streets penetrated the estate. Again, thinking in from a Hallmark movie. But when our little pack ventured closer to the street for our morning walk, it was quite obvious by the cars zipping by, at quite a clip, might I add, that this was a main thoroughfare through Greenwich. But that didn't scare the pups, nor Ron, nor me. Heck, we were pros at walking in the craziest, busiest city in the world, New York City. So, upon arriving at the street corner, we looked one way and then the other way for the sidewalk. But alas, there were no sidewalks. What? Are you kidding me? Google said, Greenwich is one of the wealthiest towns in Connecticut and one of the richest cities in America, too. And they couldn't afford any flippin' sidewalks? So, for the two glorious weeks we were there, lounging by the pool, eating bonbons in Greenwich, Connecticut, I only walked the pups around the property. And forget jogging. Along those two-lane main roads and you-know-where, I love my cardio workouts and getting my endorphins going, but not if I have to play dodgeball with Beamers and Mercedes. But if it weren't for those two wonderful weeks in Connecticut, Perhaps I would not have been forever enlightened and come up with what I thought was a major revelation, that even with all these amazing houses and estates, even mansions, their lack of sidewalks connecting each other to their neighbors made each home a fortress, in my eyes, a lonely fortress. From the outside looking in, it seems that without sidewalks, the inhabitants in these upscale homes although most likely not wanting for much, depended on their cause to go out to socialize. Okay, so they probably had the means to just throw a big-ass party now and then when they needed their fill of people. (laughs) But still, sidewalks? To little old me, I equate sidewalks as a safe pedestrian passageway to get from point A to point B, where people and pets can walk, give a nod to one's neighbors passing by, 
a means to just get to where one needs to go, which totally describes my life in New York City. Sidewalks are everywhere. They connect us to our neighbors, the workmen and women, to restaurants, stores, the parks, our place of worship, work, and on and on. And the most impressive thing about New York City sidewalks, each and every one of them is handicapped accessible. Seriously, I can attest to that since when I almost lost Ron at the end of the pandemic, but then I helped save his life, which I remind him of every day, by the way. It's a long story for another podcast, so keep tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Ellie McGuire, who will not stop reminding you to please keep tuning in to her Shaking the Bushes podcast. Oh, yes, about the sidewalks. I can attest to the amazing New York City's handicapped accessible sidewalks firsthand since in the dwindling days of the pandemic, when Ron almost died, did I mention I helped save his life? And when he came home, I was pushing him around in a wheelchair as he regained his strength to walk again. And when you are pushing a heavy wheelchair around New York City, or anywhere for that matter, you look up at the sky and you thank your God, whomever she may be, for an easy egress. I never once had a problem with curbs and crossing streets when pushing Ron in his wheelchair in loud and crazy New York. My theory? Sidewalks connect us. And after my stay in you-know-where Connecticut, I was made aware of the fact that one of the toniest towns in that very state was lacking sidewalks. The very state that has the word connect right in its name. Can you say ironic? Hey, United Nations, are you listening? Less war and more sidewalks. Woo! Both my dogs were trained on New York City sidewalks. You know that saying, curb your dog? Well, that's my pups. They literally go to the curb and do their business. So much so that when we head back to Little Roadie and I take them for a walk in my Warwick hood, they don't do grass. They only pee and poop on the sidewalks. They are and always will be socialized sidewalk dogs. I guess you could say that just cements my theory even more. <laughs> cements. <laughs> Get it? Please make me stop. But someday, I am definitely going to design a bumper sticker that says, Sidewalks Rock. Okay, so who's with me? Come on. But back to Little Roadie. I must admit, some city sidewalks in Rhode Island are perfection. Take Narragansett, for example. All along Narragansett Beach, my beach of choice and quite possibly my favorite, hey, I'm allowed to speak my truth, so please, no cards and letters bitching about your favorite beach. Anyway, the sidewalks along the beach wall are delightful. And then past the clam shacks, it stops. What? Why stop having sidewalks? I want to keep walking to Scarborough. Sidebar, for those of you not from Rhode Island, Scarborough is the next beach up, the public beach. But my point, oh yes, my point. <laughs> movement is medicine, so more sidewalks could mean more movement, more healthier people. And with loneliness an issue for many Americans, especially older Americans, more sidewalks could mean more socialization, less loneliness. To me, sidewalks have the potential to be more effective than pills, the potential to be more powerful than pharmaceuticals. Attica, Attica! Hey, a girl can dream, can't she? Okay, in my Walk Rhode Island neighborhood, I do have to stir it up a bit regarding sidewalks. When I walk the dogs, first there is a sidewalk, then it isn't, then there it is. I am just so lucky that there are not a lot of cars that travel around our hood. It's mostly just residential traffic going to and from their homes. And the sidewalks that do exist, 
Some can be very treacherous, especially for those who don't see well. They need repair. In fact, the sidewalk in front of my childhood home was built more than 80 years ago. And no, I was not there to supervise the construction. (laughs) But back to the sidewalks in front of my home. It looks like the earth sneezed. How can that be, you ask? Because of the lovely tree in front of it that looks so nice and provides shade in the heat of the summer and was put there by the city when the original tree was knocked down by a hurricane, its roots have upended the sidewalk in front of the house. But here's the root of the problem. Oh, no. I can't stop. Please make me stop. (laughs) I don't want to call the city of Warwick to repair the sidewalk because I fear they will solve the problem by removing the tree. No way am I going to allow that to happen. I love that tree. So I continue to do a serpentine kind of walk with my dogs every day on the very same streets I used to play wiffle ball, touch football, and play kick the can on. So We walk back and forth on the sidewalk and then on the street, on the sidewalk, and then on the street, and on and on. Maybe I should run for politics with Sidewalks for All as my platform. Not about being a politician, that is. But sidewalks? Come on, people. Let's save humanity with sidewalks. Smooth, walkable sidewalks. Okay, now that I got that off my chest, back to walking my dogs in New York City. Every morning, I take my little Yorkies for the most scrumptious walk in Central Park. Schmidt and Pudge love to sniff the bushes, greet most dogs, and chase pigeons and the usual list of fast-moving suspects, while I take in just a tiny slice of the 842.6 acres of Central Park's beauty. Ah, listening to a variety of birds chirping, stopping to smell the roses and other flowers, breathing in the most peaceful and momentary state of mindfulness, and then whoosh, a flippin' delivery boy or just a plain rude human on a bicycle goes through a red light and almost hits my pups and me, totally taking me out of my zenful state of mind. Ron swears I'm going to be killed someday because I have a tendency to leave my Buddhist-like state and flip these crazy bicyclists, the bird, or yell a not-so-subtle, Excuse me? Or it's a red light, asshole, when they come anywhere near my pups or a baby carriage or elderly folks trying to get across Central Park West. And don't get me started about delivery guys on bicycles on the sidewalk. That, my friend, is a venial sin. But almost running over my dogs or me make that a mortal sin. Hurt me or my pups, and I'll have to hurt you. Okay, where was I? Oh, yes, sidewalks, mindfulness, sidewalks. (laughs) And if I'm out of Levain bread, have you ever had Levain bread? It's the best kind of bread. Anyway, if I'm out of Levain bread, the pups and I will walk over to the neighborhood grocery store on the sidewalk to get a big old loaf of it. Yum, I love Levain bread. In the evenings, the pups and I have one big square root we take. Square root. (laughs) I crack myself up. Walking around once again, on the sidewalk in our Upper West Side hood. I know all the doormen on our square route, so even after dark, although always aware of my surroundings, I feel pretty darn safe. But in the evenings, I've been known to carry a shillelagh. That's an Irish stick for protection, just in case. The very same shillelagh I bought on a trip to Ireland with two very dear girlfriends right after college. That was just... 10 years ago. (laughs) Anyway, I just have to tell you my friends' names. In addition to me, a McGuire, my traveling mates were Shanahan and McLaughlin. 
Shanahan, McLaughlin, and McGuire. We could have been an Irish law firm. But I digress. <laughs> In one very fancy-schmancy building on Central Park West was a doorman named Frankie the Doorman. We became good buddies just from me walking the pups on the sidewalk past his building on many an evening. On any given night, when Frankie the doorman wasn't attending to his VIP residence, and he saw me and my two pups coming up the street, Frankie would flick the building's enormous outside lights on and off to greet us. People walking in the general vicinity would look at my pups and me as if to say, who the fudge are they? Actually, that's not quite what a genuine New Yorker would say, but you get the picture. But think about it. I was able to develop this wonderful, lighthearted relationship with Frankie the doorman, because of the sidewalks of New York. Hmm, they should write a song about that. Oh, yes, yeah, someone did. One evening, I was walking towards Frankie's buildings, and the pups had already peed and pooped, and I was just enjoying the moment. Not a bicyclist in sight. With nothing in particular on my mind, I started to look up the street on Central Park West in anticipation of maybe seeing my buddy Frankie, Frankie the doorman. I have to stop for a New York minute and brag about Frankie. When we just started to get to know one another, he came out and showed me an invitation to some big New York City real estate gathering where Frankie, a.k.a. Frankie the Doorman, was being honored. And get this, with the Doorman of the Year Award. Unbelievable. Think of all the buildings in New York City and all the doormen in a lot of those buildings in New York City. And my new BFF, Frankie the Doorman, had been voted the number one doorman in all of New York City. That was so crazy for me to try and comprehend. Hey, I couldn't win best daughter in my family, and I was the only daughter. <laughs> but a boom <laughs> Just as the pups and I were at the southeast corner of his building, heading towards the main entrance, I was looking through the big glass window that made up the whole front of the building's lobby, and I could see Frankie walking towards the door, staring up the street in the opposite direction, rather than looking down the street towards my puppy pack and me. So, with nothing else taking up space at that moment in my tiny little clump of brain matter, I thought, huh, I gotta get Frankie's attention. And with that, I was on a mission to get Frankie's attention, even if it was just for an ego-stroking front light flicker. Whatever. But could I do it? Now it had become a silly little game I wanted to win. So, with my tiny pup's leashes securely wrapped around my left arm, I started wildly waving my right hand in Frankie's direction to get his attention. Surely he would want to know that I was walking towards him with his favorite, and very fashionable, I might add, little puppy dogs. Now, almost at the front door, I observed a focused Frankie. He himself appeared to be on a mission. It was then that I saw a gentleman carrying a briefcase appearing out of nowhere, quickly walking from around the corner, approaching the front door from the other direction. With Frankie seeming to be more preoccupied, my way became less wild and more queen-like. I was still hoping to catch Frankie's eyes. Come on, I was walking two of the cutest dogs in New York City. And Frankie loved Schmitty and Pudge. The gentleman with the briefcase, almost at the door, stopped for a moment and then turned towards me, where I was still waving in his direction, and said, Do I know you? And with my pups in tow, and now almost at arm's length of each other, not with the puppies, but with the gentleman, I giggled and replied, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't waving at you. I was waving at Frankie the doorman. <laughs> I couldn't help but smile at the absurdity of my rejection since the man getting ready to walk through the front door held open by Frankie the doorman 
and I'm guessing the recipient of lots of fans always trying to vie for his attention, that man was none other than the legendary Lawn Michaels. Yup, Mr. Saturday Night Live, Mr. SNL, that Lawn Michaels. He laughed at my answer, and then he walked through the door. And to this day, I get such a giggle thinking about how Lawn Michaels, Mr. NBC, for one brief moment, was overshadowed by Frankie the Doorman for the fan-like attention from one crazy female, that would be me, walking at two tiny dogs wearing coats on the sidewalks of New York. Of course, getting a few tickets to Saturday Night Live would have made this an even better story. <laughs> East side, west side, all around the town. My pups are doing their business. Oh, good, it looks so healthy and brown. <laughs> While my pups are smelling dog butts, and with humans I do talk. We trip the light, fantastic, whatever the hell that means, on the sidewalks of New York. <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with me at Shaking the Bushes. You can learn more about me and my memoir called, wait for it, Shaking the Bushes at my website, elliemaguire.com. And thank you to the Warwick Public Library, where this podcast is recorded and where I've been a visitor since it opened back in 1965. Wait a minute. That's so weird since I'm only 39. (laughs) See you next time on Shaking the Bushes.